Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome friends to another r/malicious compliance video. I think if there's one thing you should comply to, it's to hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Hefe Brutus. No security light allowed? No problem. Years ago, when my wife and I had purchased a home, the builder had told us it might be part of an HOA, depending on how many homes they ultimately constructed. We were among the first five buyers, so we pretty much had free range to change what we wanted, via permissions from the builders that those changes would be added to what was turned over to the HOA. And for as long as we lived there, the changes could stay. The one change we did was add a motion security light on the back of our fence. Because my neighbor's kid would smoke weed there and I didn't want to smell it sitting on my patio or when I had the windows open on nice evenings. Well, that went up my neighbor's butt sideways for whatever reason. And she refused to believe her kid would be doing that, even though it didn't point towards any other home. Just the grass between my fence and the woods. It kept the kids from smoking weed there without calling the cops on something so foolish and petty. But since it was cleared from the builder, she couldn't do anything. Well, six months later, we end up with an HOA. And she makes it priority one to get the lights. Several other neighbors followed what I did, whose homes faced the wooded area, removed. The requirement to get it changed since they were from the builder, approved, was 80% of the community. So the only votes to keep came from those of us on the back of the property. So we have to remove them being permanent changes? Not even three days later, her kid is again back there smoking weed. The HOA counter to why I had it was to call the police non-emergency number, but that's absolutely stupid to risk freaking some kid's life up because he wanted to smoke weed. When that's an issue, his parents, who remember, don't believe he does it, deal with. So now I'm pretty livid. This North American land whale cried to the point I had to remove a cheap and non-disruptive fix. She refused to be a parent and keep her kid from impeding on us. So it's time for me to be petty. The next day after her kid first went back there, I go out and buy a 12-foot section of 4x4 wire, concrete, a large planter, and three 6,000-lumen floodlights, and build essentially a mini-portable stadium light setup rigged to the motion sensor, so whenever anyone passed by my fence, instead of being a small area immediately behind my house lit up, the sun came out to the woods with one light giving her home an x-ray. The first time her kid went back there, it was glorious. I got a picture of him with his bong in hand before he skirted off, so I could show her proof, and it sent her through the roof getting those free x-rays. I showed her the picture, and she still didn't care, saying if it goes off again, I'll call the police. And I was fine with it, because I told her they'd see the same picture I'd just shown her. In reality, they wouldn't, but Martha the manatee didn't know that, and I didn't expect her to try to call my bluff, which she never did, just complained to the HOA a lot. In the morning time, I'd lay the contraption down so it couldn't be seen and raise it up after it got dark. About a week after this, I get a summons to the HOA meeting that's happening that week 
and since it was disciplinary for my contraption, their lawyer was there and they want to hear the case. So I lay everything out from builder to pictures showing how the original light didn't shine any brighter than the one on her porch and couldn't be seen from inside the homes, her vendetta to change the HOA rules to suit what she wanted, three of the five other neighbors who had to remove their security lights were also there to argue for getting them back when I went. After about 40 minutes, the lawyer comes back and pretty much said, well, Mr. and Mrs. OP, you're right, this isn't a permanent structure, so it technically is allowed, but you can't have a light facing her property any longer. In addition, by the first of next month, you will all be allowed to reinstall your smaller lights as they did provide a measure of security that benefits the property as a whole. So, Martha the Manatee was blessed with another week of the sun on a pole and being mad mad about it. Those of us who lived facing the woods got our lights back and after reselling the lights, I made most of my money back that I spent on supplies making that monstrosity. It was absolutely worth spending the few hundred dollars to out petty, a bad parent, an insufferable neighbor. Now, I of course absolutely hate HOAs. They're good for keeping the property value up, and a lot of times they might make you feel a lot safer, but I just hate the idea of paying to live somewhere where people can say, uh, excuse me, your garage appears to be the wrong shade of depressed beige. You have 30 days to update it or you're going to get fined. That said, regardless of HOA, if your house faces the woods, do you believe that anybody should be able to have security light on their house facing those woods? no matter what? Let me know what you think in the comments down below. This next story is by Epic Winter Wolf, how two men coexisted without killing each other, aka how my great 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 grandfathers coexisted despite being family enemies. So this story comes from Scandinavia about 200 years ago, and it's been passed down my family on my maternal grandfather's side, and honestly, it's a less chaotic version of Romeo and Juliet. It started over land. My two great times five grandfathers came from two rural farming families who had fought over land for generations. At that point in the 1800s, the families had come to a stalemate, though my five times great grandfathers still hated each other. Unfortunately, the eldest son of one fell in love with the only daughter of the other family. Now, unlike in Romeo and Juliet, my five times great grandmothers didn't care about the family feud. Instead, they encouraged the love wanting to mend the rift between families. As it's been said, they hoped that the families uniting would end the land feud. After all, there's no land feud if the families were united and shared the land. Sadly, my great-grandfathers couldn't stand the fact that the two kids had fallen in love, and as the story goes, they did everything in their power to break up the love. Now, this story's likely gone through both the telephone effect and some embellishing, but fake letters, keeping the kids busy, and even cow manure in beds. I'm fairly certain that's not real, but then again my maternal family has always been eccentric. Just a whole bunch of stuff that they pulled to try to keep the lovebirds, my four times great parents, from staying in love. Given that I'm here, it failed miserably, but this is where the malicious compliance comes in. So my five times great grandmothers reeled them in when it went too far. Something about too much beer or booze, mud, rats, and ruined flowers. And the crazy attempts to break the two up. This is also where the family began to shift to a matriarchal family. My four times great-grandfather proposed to my four times great-grandmother when they were in their early 20s. And needless to say, both my five times great-grandfathers were not happy. 
They dug their feet in despite both efforts of my five times great grandmothers. However, their kids inherited the stubbornness and all dozen of them rallied to help with the wedding. Now, despite both sides being Anglican, they weren't exactly completely upholdant to religion and did things their own way. Now, some of the details are lacking, but according to basic details, the families of both sides were dragged together for the wedding and both sides were eager for it. The feud was only held together by this point by the two fathers, who were the only surviving sons of their fathers who passed the feud on to them. So by that point, most of the two families were ready to combine their lands and get the feud over with. The boys of both sides built a house right on the property line between the two farms where the wedding was to be held and the newlyweds would spend their lives. Wedding day comes, and as it goes, the bride-to-be stumbled upon her father and soon-to-be father-in-law, threatening each other with bodily harm. As it goes, she snapped at them loud enough for it to be heard across both properties and said to them, as it's been said, as something along the lines of asking them to just ignore each other and not speak to each other, at least during the wedding. Well, it goes that after that, neither man spoke to each other or acknowledged the other's presence. If both were in the same general area, they would act like the other never existed. Both my five-time great-grandfathers never got along, and as far as I've been told, they never spoke with each other or acknowledged each other's presence for the rest of their lives. They took my four-times great-grandmother's request and extended it to their dying days, sticking to their own sides of the property unless they absolutely had to. Not even when one cow's herd got into the other's crop did the two acknowledge each other. Though, according to my grandpa, who heard it from his grandpa, they were giving each other the stink eye the entire debacle. Now, this tale's been passed on as a moral story, the moral being that even if you hate your worst enemy, you can learn to ignore them if it only hurts others, including not acknowledging their existence for the rest of your life. I'm not gonna lie, this story sounds like the most quintessential family history, internal family civil war story that like, you almost just have to pretend no matter what that that's actually how it happened. It's just such a great background story to their family. And as somebody that doesn't know too much beyond just more or less their grandparent level, I think the fact that you have a story from great, 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 great grandparents and beyond is really awesome. But not just like knowing of them, but having such a really interesting story. This next story is by Witty Conference 5512 showing off the new pet. During my teen years, I had a fascination with spiders and eventually had a Mexican red-legged tarantula as a pet. I thought it was cool to see in its cage and I loved watching it pounce on the crickets I fed it. I admit, I did not hold it that often because seeing those eight legs move slowly as it moved from my hand up my wrist creeped me out. I started dating a girl from work and she knew about my tarantula but was hesitant to agree to see it in person. Eventually she agreed that as long as it stayed in its cage. I agreed the tarantula would stay in its cage. A day was scheduled for her to come meet my pet. The house was clean and orderly for her visit. I entered the room first to show it was safe as she hesitantly walked down the hall. I could tell she was nervous but the tarantula was in its cage as promised. As she approached timidly down the hall, I had a moment and hatched a plan. Spiders, as you may know, shed their exoskeletons as they grow. Although the abdomen of the spider exoskeleton does not survive the shedding, the main body part and all those legs do. I had several past sheds sitting on the shelf above the tarantula cage. I carefully carried one of the exoskeletons in the palm of my hand and then walked down the hall toward my girlfriend. 
This tarantula was mostly black with red bands around the joints and the legs. All eight hairy legs. Tarantula exoskeletons are just as hairy as their living counterparts. And this one was almost as big as my hand. My girlfriend looked down at my hand and saw eight black and red tarantula legs and thought she was looking at a real spider. I swear, it was almost like those cartoons where the person comes to a complete and abrupt stop and their eyeballs pop out at what scares them, followed by their body, then spirit, then clothes, then eyes running away the opposite direction. She bounced off one wall, then the other. I found her at the front door hyperventilating and trying to grab the doorknob. She did not have the hand strength to turn the knob. Had she been able to open the door, I may never have found her again. It didn't help that I was laughing the whole time. Our relationship survived this encounter, and eventually she agreed the spider had stayed in the cage as required. She even bought me a pewter spider in memory of the occasion. The Mexican red leg is long gone, but I still have the pewter spider. Ah yeah, OP gets a new girlfriend, cleans up the house nice and orderly, brings her home and takes her to your room to show her your Mexican red leg tarantula exoskeleton. Really, the rom-com writes itself at this point. Our next story is by Sir Blabs a lot. Do my schoolwork and not make a noise? You got it. So at the beginning of COVID lockdowns, my nephew, maybe six years old at the time, had to do school from home. But being that age, he didn't quite get it and was under the impression that if he was at home instead of actually being at school, he didn't have to do anything. He'd rather be doing anything else. One particular day, he was being more stubborn than usual about it and his poor mother, who was at her wit's end with him, trying to get him to do his schoolwork while doing house chores, while also trying to keep my niece, preschool age, amused, she resorted to telling him, sit down, shut up, and do your work. He finally relented and sat down at the dining room table and went at it begrudgingly. An hour or two goes by and she's finished her chores and goes to check on him only to see that the youngest child has ripped the curtains off the walls, rails and all. Not even gently either. There were chunks of plaster on the floor, and because she was at the other end of the house, hadn't heard a thing. She goes to my nephew, why didn't you call me and tell me she was doing that? And I kid you not, he looks her in the eye and with the straightest of faces simply says, you told me to sit down, shut up and do my work. So I did. You can't learn that, you're born with it. This is definitely a very good malicious compliance and a wise kid from an early age. But I'm just stuck here feeling bad for that mom, that's a difficult situation to be in. You need three heads and six arms to take care of all those kids. And even that's probably not good enough. And our final story of the day is by Shroudham. I got the work van stuck and soaked some big shots. So I was working for the state road department. When I first transferred to this area, they had this beast of a Dodge Maxi van that no one liked to drive. My mistake was showing I could drive it okay. This one time, a bunch of big shots decided to go look at some future project sites. They took me along solely to drive, which pissed me off since I was not going to be working on any of the projects they were scoping out. It had snowed quite a bit overnight. The roads were clear, but not the shoulders or field driveways. They told me to pull over in this one field driveway that looked really, really muddy. I protested, but they told me to do it anyway. Well, okay, I said. After they looked around, they all piled back into the van. Of course, it was stuck. All the big shots piled out to push, and I got a little heavy on the gas. They managed to push the van out, but all of them were covered in mud from the waist down. They all piled back in, and no one said a word to me all the way back to the office. 
they never took me out again solely to drive. Now, they might have ended up with mud all over their suits and stuff because OP was driving or whatnot, but I feel like they should understand that OP said, I don't know, it's kind of muddy, I don't think we should park here. They should have realized that actually OP is the best person for that driving job because they knew what's what, but they were probably too prideful to ever have OP drive them around again after being covered in mud on the way back to the office. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.